This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome into another Warriors Weekly podcast. As Warriors Weekly goes daily here in the lead up to the Warriors and the Kings in the first round of the NBA playoffs with game one to be played on Saturday. It's a pleasure to be joined by the one and only and, and longtime, longtime friend and, and colleague in, in this wacky business, Dave Deuce Mason in Sacramento. Uh, what, what are you doing these days? I know Deuce and Mo, the, the probably the best Kings podcast going, I think. But but let everybody know just what you're doing and how yeah. people in the Bay and, and people that may be watching this in Sacramento as well can can find what, what you guys are all about. Yeah, we're doing do some Mo podcast. We're going live after every Kings game. And now, you know, like yourself, it's like cranking out coverage all the time. It's like, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs in this long. It's like, let's let's capitalize on this. People want to talk about this series. And it's fun to actually talk about games that matter instead of, you know, hey, who are they going to get in the draft? <laughs> uh, where are they going to finish in the lottery? All that tired stuff. Or, hey, who's the coach they're going to uh, go hire this offseason? So we're doing do some Mo podcast. I do some work with NBC Sports uh, California for Kings coverage, and I work on the Kings radio broadcast with G-Man, J-Ross, and Henry Turner. So it's busy, but it's good. You know, usually around this time, we're, we're just watching, waiting to see what's going to transpire in the playoffs and the Kings offseason. But here we are getting ready for a huge playoff series. Yeah, and, and the Kings, not only are they not watching in in this playoff series, but their reward for their 48-win season and and an awesome one with a lot of a lot of heroics and and late game wins and and just new energy uh in, in California's capital. Their reward is they get to play the defending champions and and the team just down the road that's won four titles here in the in the last eight years. How how are the people of Sacramento feeling about just the prospect of the Warriors. It sounds like the Kings team didn't really care, and they had obviously their chance to manipulate it based on the the head-to-head matchup last week in Sacramento, where the, the Kings rested their their main guys, some of them. Uh, but how, how's how are the fans feeling about hey? First time in it, but you're playing the Warriors. You know, it's weird. Shockingly, in 2023, it's a mixed bag, right? You've got some people who are just hey. The Warriors are done. We're ending them. It's over. Really cocky. That's caught me off guard a little bit. And then you have a portion of going, really? You're in the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, and you get a matchup with the Golden State Warriors? Um, So I I feel like it's a mixed bag, and it it makes sense. I get the excitement around this series. At the same time, man, this is a tough draw for Sacramento. I thought Brown said something interesting after practice. So yesterday he said all the pressure is on the Warriors for Sacramento. 
if they get mopped off, you know, off the floor in five games, hey, we got there. We learned against the defending champions. We know what it's going to take. This is all part of the process. But if they can win this series, who knows how far they can go? No, I, I think that that would be a game changer for sure. And and it, the way I've sort of put it, and and I don't mean this to be you know, disrespectful toward the Kings, but in, in some ways it's an easy series for them to lose. Like, right. Hey, hey, you lose the series. It's you still had a great year and it's part of that building process. I mean, the, the Warriors, they, they kind of remind me the Kings do a little bit of the Warriors, not not the first Steve Kerr year, but maybe the first Mark Jackson year where they were able as a six seed themselves to upset Denver. And then they got beat by the Clippers. But, but then that third year was they exploded and they were a, a championship contender kind of out of nowhere. There are times watching this Kings team where they remind me a little bit about that Warriors team that was, you know, I think they won 47 or 48, you know, similar 10, 10 years ago before they were a true championship contender. Yeah. And I, I think it's okay to have that, outlook to where like i think some fans are like no th this is the year you gotta win it all you gotta get to the conference finals you're the number three seed Dude, the west has been insane this year and i just i understand all the narratives around the warriors like hey they had the issue with draymond and pool the whatever 10 11 road wins i just i brush that aside right now i, I just think post all-star break seventh in defensive rating top 10 in both offense and defense i think at gp2 was huge for them to get him back in the fold. DiVincenzo's been a big pickup for them. Um, I think the game that jumped out to me with the Warriors was that game against the Pelicans where they were getting destroyed. Draymond's losing his mind out there. And they come out, and I'm like, oh, they hit the switch. You know, Kaminga's in the BI. Draymond's in the BI. GP2's defending, locking down. And that's where I went, oh, that that's a scary team. And you know, we, we could talk so much about their road record or, you know, some of their issues this year, but they played large portions of the season without Wiggins. You know, Steph missed a chunk of time. So uh, I think this team is a serious threat and, you know, Sacramento has got to be ready to go. And I, I, I just I'm very interested to see what they look like, you know, especially going into game one. I, I feel like at practice, you know, you can only get so much from watching uh, the guys shoot around after feeling the vibes and it feels like they're they're pretty confident they, they feel like they belong but now it's like okay what's going to happen game one what's going to happen if you know the Warriors come out and they, they they're up you know 15 to 2 and silence the crowd in Sacramento it's just all these things we we have so many unanswered questions and we just won't know until the series starts well let's get into to game one specifically and, and there's so many different things to touch on i mean i i find myself readjusting my long list of different just topics and things to get into it's it's seemingly endless and overwhelming because there's so many interesting things to discuss but let, let's just get into game one and and how important game one is and in and your mind it, who game one is more important to because I think there's a little bit of a fine line with that for the Warriors because of some of their road issues in that I, I wouldn't say from the Warriors point of view they have to win game one by any means and in fact I think the the, the experience advantage that they have going into this series would would mean they they know they don't have to win game one but if they don't win game one and they look like the bad warriors from this year, I do think that's going to send off some alarm bells in the Bay area a little bit. If it, if it looks like it did in, in their losses, but going into this thing, I mean, the game one's got to be more important 
Kings, though, right? Like, if they don't at least show that they're ready to go toe-to-toe with the Warriors, could that be something that's that, that snowballs on them? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm interested in that, too, because as good as the Kings season has been, winning 48 games, they haven't been very good at home. You know, I mean, they've had some bad home losses this year where you go, what are you doing losing to the Spurs at home when you have a chance to clinch the division? You know, they had a bad loss against Washington at home, a bad where they were down by like, what, 30 in that game. They had a bad loss to Charlotte. They've had some hiccups along the way, losing to the Sixers at home when they didn't have Harden or Embiid. They just haven't had that same focus. And I think the, the the biggest thing that jumps out to me is you look at their defensive rating at home versus the road, 29th in defensive rating at home, eighth on the road. And that's, that's bizarre to me. I don't know if they're relying on, Hey, the crowd's going to be into this, or they just want to play this free flowing style. They're not as engaged. I think it's imperative for Sacramento to be competitive in that first game if you cannot have some letdown game where you get absolutely worked out there it, it, they, they have to show that they can they can actually establish some home court advantage which i think is obviously challenging to do against the warriors uh but this is it's a big it's a big deal well it's fascinating because the warriors problems have been on the road and yeah. the warriors basically have have done you know they've played exceptional at home they've been almost the opposite right at home they're a top five defense on the road they're a bottom five defense and and the one area too and and what makes this series so interesting is areas in which the Warriors have struggled are kind of ways where the Kings have been successful in in some sense but I I look at it from the Warriors standpoint of you know they've they've lost games on the road where they seemingly have the game in check and then blow it. The Kings have won games on the road where it seems like, oh, they're going to lose. And then they come back and they win in, in dramatic fashion. There are all of these little you know, areas of, well, the Kings don't play well at home. The Warriors t- play terrible on the road. The Warriors get down a lot on teams at home and then are forced to come back. Well, if you do that against Sacramento, they might get you down 20 and they're going to be a more difficult team maybe to come back on at home than they would be. And and so it, there are all these little intricacies, I guess, that kind of play into each other's strengths and weaknesses that, that make the series kind of fascinating. It does. I, I just, the, the, the thing I keep thinking about with this series is just, it's going to come down to who can, I, I know both offenses can get going. We know what the Warriors are capable of, especially when they're clicking, when they can get rolling. The Kings too, but the, we haven't seen the Kings do it in the playoffs. And I, I do think that they can play that style in the playoffs. I just tend to believe the Warriors' defense is going to be more locked in. I, I just I, I think we've seen more flashes of it recently. I think the fact that they have a few guys they can throw on Fox is essential to give him some different looks. You know, I think one key is just what what kind of role can Wiggins play? You know. Is he coming off the bench? If he ends up coming off the bench, like it seems like he's going to, is he going to be able after being away for this long to check De'Aaron Fox at times? Because I think he can do a decent job on Fox. Um, but they also have GP too. They have DiVincenzo. So they just have a whole bunch of guys that I think they can throw at the Kings. I, I think the other two, thing too is just, you know, what, what Kerr elects to do with, the size up front. I mean, I think Looney and Green, they can battle. You know, they're tough. They're physical. They can get into Sabonis a little bit, but 
does it make more sense for Kerr to just go smaller against Sabonis for larger stretches of the game? That, those are things I'm interested in, too, is trying to see how that all plays out. But I just tend to trust that the Warriors' defense turns it on. And maybe I'm wrong. I just I think there's just so much unknown about how the Kings are going to respond to the playoffs. It, it's just, no. I think they're going to be prepared. I think Brown and his coach staff is going to do great preparing them. But you just got to, we got to see it. That's the story of game one, I, I think for sure, is, all right, is it going to be the regular season Warriors on the road? Is it going to be how do the Kings adjust to being in the playoffs and going up against the defending champs? I, I think part of, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the the advantage that the team with the more experience and the, I guess, four times as much experience when you look at all the games that the Warriors have in terms of playoff experience, you know, where does that come into play? I think it does come into play in game one. Maybe the Kings are a little tight. Maybe the Warriors are like, Hey, this is a first round game. Like we, we played in Boston. We played in Cleveland in the finals in Toronto, like in Memphis, which was, was rowdy as hell. I can tell you from, from being in all those places, like this will be like, we, we can handle this in a first in a first round series. Maybe the Kings are a little wound up or a little tight, and that proves to be an, an advantage for the Warriors. I'm, I'm with you on the bodies as far as if Wiggins doesn't start, it's probably DiVincenzo initially, which I think is interesting. It's probably a lot of GP, which I which I think is interesting. Maybe even some Kaminga uh, gets uh, a shot at, at trying to guard Fox a little bit. But the, the Warriors do have some some different bodies. And I, I think what they do with that starting lineup, because I think you're onto something as far as them going small. They do like to go small to close games, but I'd be surprised if if it wasn't Looney out there at the beginning of the game just to to set the tone, especially with DiVincenzo probably getting the the start in in place of Wiggins. But uh, so that that's kind of the one side of it. And you know, I saw the the note in that's been in the Warriors game notes here for the the last couple of games of the regular season. I'm I'm not sure if you saw this or not and and maybe you know it as it relates to Sabonis but it just kind of popped into my head so Kevon Looney led the NBA in team points scored off of his offensive rebounds like no no team scored more off of offensive rebounds whether it's kickouts or putbacks a lot of times with Looney it's kickouts than Looney well number two was the Kings with Sabonis number so they were one and two in the league in offensive rebounds by those two players turned into points. And I think the Kings had 25 or 30 fewer wow. points for the whole season. So they, but they were one and two in that category. You don't think of second chances with the Warriors really hell at all. But you know, I, I watching the Kings, I mean, they, it, it, it does seem like, Oh yeah. Sabonis gets after it on the boards a lot and they do have a lot of shooters. And sometimes he just goes back up with it and gets fouled or scores, but that, that could be a low key, a low key little thing that is under the radar that nobody's thinking about is who can who can handle the glass in this matchup. Oh, it's I think it's one of the more pressing issues for Sacramento. You know, Mike Brown kind of talked about that today at practice too because the Warriors have guys that get after those. You know, you mentioned Looney, but DiVincenzo just comes in there crashing the offensive glass. He gets collective. after GP. They try to make yeah. it a collective. And, and the Kings, there have been some inconsistent moments. I mean, Brown's called them out throughout the season of guys not being focused rebounding where you, you look and it's like, 
Get Keegan and HB gave you four rebounds combined in the game. Like those things can't happen. They can't just rely on Sabonis to be the guy because he's going to draw so much attention. The Warriors know what this guy's about. He's had huge games against them this year. I think he's averaging 22 points, you know, 16 rebounds against the Warriors this season. But they they're going to be physical with him. And I think that's the other thing too is just. Can Sabonis keep his cool? He get, he runs hot sometimes, and you know he's used to getting banged around. The intensity is going to be much higher, and if they can rattle him, take him out of his game, maybe get Sabonis in foul trouble, then it gets really interesting from Sacramento because they have not shown um, any ability to find a, a legit solution at the the backup five spot. I mean, we've seen Metsu who had, you know, a decent game, I think, against the Warriors earlier this year. Alex Len here at the end of the season. Rashawn Holmes at stretches, but he's kind of out of the mix. I, I kind of wonder if they might go Trey Lyle small ball five at times, too, against Golden State, because I think that might make some sense. But, yeah, the, the rebounding thing is going to be big for Sacramento. Like, they, and they're going to have to match that physicality. And they're talking about it. I think that's the biggest talking point from the Kings the last the last couple of days at practice is we have to play physical we have to punch first we have to play with physicality it's one thing to say now you just got to do it yeah the physicality was something I I bookmarked at and watching some of the practice videos and I've been at Warriors practice the last couple of days I know you've been at Kings practice the last couple of days but I've been watching the the scrum video from from the Kings and there does seem to be a an added emphasis on making sure you're physical. Do you, do you, is there any concern that, that maybe the Kings are putting a little too much on that? Because the one thing, the one thing the Warriors have been able to do to teams in their playoff series over the years is they do tend to get in teams heads and especially some of the less experienced teams and, and the antics with Draymond and, you know, the the Warriors kind of know how to push the envelope and toe the line and occasionally go over the line, but also get away with going over the line, I think, because they're willing to toe the line. And so I I think, you know, that's it seemed a little out of character to me. Now, you can you can disagree and that and that's fine. That's part of this conversation. But the Kings being so focused about maybe trying to be something that they haven't been all year struck me as are they getting a little out of pocket? That's interesting. I I think he's been challenging his guys and they've shown moments this year of, Oh, okay. You see it. You know, the Kings had a game against the Pelicans where uh, that was the first time I went, Oh, okay. Like they are, they're bringing it on both ends. And, you know, we, we tend to think about physicality on the defensive end, but it's, it's on offense too, you know, cutting hard with authority, not being afraid to, to go hard to the rim. And they've just had moments, you know, you think of someone like Kevin Herter, he gets knocked off his spot. Sometimes Keegan Murray, who at stretches this season has just not been aggressive enough. It seems like he'll shy away from contact, but now he's shown some glimpses of doing it. I think it's key long-term for them to embrace that because that's what's going to help take him to the next level is play with that toughness. Sabonis is really, he's as tough as it gets. He's going to bring it. He's going to set hard screens. He's going to battle. He's going to bang down low. Uh, but it's up to the rest of the guys to to play with that. I, I think it's more the mindset of we have to be in attack mode. We cannot get out rebounded. We can't be outworked. We have to be in the guys. So I, I understand the message. Now I I don't know. They, I don't know that they they're going to be able to do it. You know, it's to your point. It's not been a characteristic of them this year. 
And sure. Are you going to bring that game one against the defending champ? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The income playoff time? I don't know. What's the What's the Kings plan for, for Steph Curry? <laughs> the the hard-hitting... Yeah, a hard hitting question. You know, Mike was asked about that today. And, you know, I he's I think they're going to throw everything they can at him. But um, I mean, we kind of saw everything and Steph's just going to do his thing. Um, (laughs) He had that 47 point game. But even in Sacramento, where they're blitzing pick and rolls, the worst just so good. You have to be locked in. The back line of defense has to be there. They have to communicate. And even if you do so, he could still wreck you. So they're just so uh, used to it. Because they've just they've seen it seen over everything. and over and over, and yeah. they, they've got probably too many offensive weapons now to do the box and one stuff, which I know Mike has used. The Warriors use that with Mike as yeah. the as the DC against teams. You know, Toronto brought that on the finals, but but really the reason it worked was because Durant was out, and then Clay Thompson ended up being out for the the fourth quarter of the clinching game. So the the Warriors had nobody in a couple of those games really that could that could shoot. So. It's interesting, but as far as personnel, is it, I mean, is it Davion Mitchell who isn't usually on the court a lot? Yeah. Is it Kessler Edwards? Who you, like the Kings have made their identity on being this exceptional offensive team and it's, and it's worked. It gets, it is their identity. And I think, and I've, I've said this, I think they have the potential to make the Warriors look a little old at times in, in this series, depending upon how long it goes but it has been like the secret to the success is not a secret. It's they play eight really good offensive players or seven really good offensive players. I guess I'll keep Mitchell out of that equation. Seven yeah. really good offensive players every night with Lyles and Monk off the off the bench. And but none of those guys that they play really are great defenders other than Mitchell and, and maybe a little bit of Harrison Barnes. I, I think Fox has got to take the challenge. You know, I, I think he does. And I think you know, Brown has challenged him a lot this year. Like, okay, you're, you're good now, but to get to this next level and you can get there, there's certain benchmarks you have to reach. And 
I think Fox is taking great strides defensively. Sometimes falls asleep, maybe gets blown up on a screen, but his screen navigation has been a lot better. I was watching some of the last time they played, uh, well, you know, game three, which is, you know, it's crazy. They played three times in the first 12 games. I don't, you know, what do you take from it? But, you know, I, I didn't like how Fox played. I, I felt like it was a little too lackadaisical. I think he's a different defensive player since the that third matchup early in November. I, I, I'm eager to see what kind of challenge he can bring to Steph Curry to make him work. I think the other thing, too, I, I'm interested in is, you know, you talk about maybe making the Warriors look old. Have the Warriors faced a team that kind of, obviously, they're not exactly similar, but they run a lot of the same offensive stuff. A lot of off-ball movement, right? Dribble handoffs, pace. Are, do you think the Warriors are are comfortable keeping up with that? Like, do do they have what it takes defensively to keep up with that style? Yeah, the, the biggest the biggest key to the series, I and I think because the Warriors have Wiggins back, because they have Peyton, you know, if we were having this conversation under the lens of, hey, Peyton's hurt and Wiggins is still gone because he's dealing with this, this I, to me, the Kings would have major action in this series under that. Like, to me, they would be the favorite in this series under those circumstances. But where I would tend to lean back Warriors is because they are getting Peyton back as defensive options. And now Wiggins, like, I think that gives them enough with the the big three, with the experience advantage to where I, I still think it's going to be a, a good series. I, I would say it's probably more six, seven than, than, than five at, at this point. But I think it really stems back to the Warriors offense. I, I think they've got the bodies to defend and it's the playoffs and if they're lackadaisical defensively, well, then they're going to get toasted and they're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> so yeah. if that's their game, if that's what they bring to the table, then all bets are off at this point, which they did do a lot in the regular season. I go back to, and the one thing you hear Steve Kerr preach a lot is shot selection, turnovers, a lot of just the the open floor turnovers that turn into baskets, right? The, the other way, that turn into breaks, but also bad shots. When the Warriors are bad, they take a lot of bad shots. And sometimes it's Steph, sometimes it's Clay, sometimes it's Jordan Poole. A lot of times it's Jordan Poole, but they take bad shots. And to me, that's the one thing where you do that against the Kings from watching them a lot this year, and they will smoke you. And I think part of the game plan for the Kings has to be, and it's a fine line because the Warriors have shot a pretty good percentage against the Kings this year. And maybe the Kings defense has something to do with that. But those stretches where the Warriors go a little bit cold, if they aren't disciplined enough to take good shots, I think that's where it leads to some easier opportunities for the Kings. And then the and and that proves to be the difference in whether the 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 Warriors defense can hold up. Like I think the Warriors half court defense can hold up. I think if they give up a, a minimal or average amount of of transition opportunities off of their bad shots, they can hold up. But if they're casting off from all over the place, which they do, and the Kings are running it back the other way, and they kind of get baited into playing that Kings, the, the Kings are one of the few teams that can shoot it with them, believe yeah. it or not. Like I was going back through the last decade, and the Warriors' trump card in all of it is, yes, they've been great defensively, especially in the clutch, but the trump card is they're just the better shooting team, like in every single series. They just have more guys who can make shots, when push comes to come to shove than the opponent. And, you know, this is maybe the closest team that they've played throughout all of it 
at being able to shoot it at a level to where they could kind of hang, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely it does. And that's where it does get interesting because the Warriors, as we know, can get sloppy and the Kings can make them pay. And then, and then you know, the, the one area that I'm curious about is we, we talk about the Kings shooting. Just, you know, what what's Keegan Murray look like in this first playoff series? I like Keegan a lot. He's been awesome shooting the ball from three, 40%, over 200 made threes. It's been outstanding. But, you know, how does he kind of handle what what this is going to be like? You know, they're, they're going to test him, right? And, and that's the other thing, too, I guess, the Kings defensively I start thinking about is just we've seen it. And, you know, I, I, I go back to that game against Dallas about a week ago for Sacramento late in the game when Kyrie was cooking. It felt a little more like a playoff game. Kyrie's going ISO mode, and they're hunting. They're hunting Herder. They're hunting Sabonis. And you know Steph Curry is going to be hunting when he's going to be hunting out those mismatches and how are the Kings going to handle, handle that? You know, you start putting Sabonis in some really bad spots yeah. and you start putting Herder in some really bad spots. Do you trust? And the Kings don't have rim protection at all either. That's where it could get really ugly. Yeah. It's, it's the discipline I think to the war for the Warriors too to be able to move the ball and cut. And you said, you said it as far as the rim protection goes and neither team really has great rim protection, which I think is a factor, can be a factor in this series. But if the the war can the Warriors be disciplined enough on offense to run their offense to to where they can get cuts for dunks, where they can get layups, uh, you know, off of attacking. You know, it, can they be patient enough, or do they settle for jumpers? Which is fine if the jumpers are going in, but if the jumpers are not going in, that to me gives the the Kings a lot of life in this series. You mentioned Sabonis and Herder specifically. And yeah, that is, I mean, the, the Warriors and, and look, Sabonis is going to play like Sabonis yep. is the King's best player. So he's going to play. It's not like you're going to, you hear a lot of this on the Warriors side of things. Well, they're going to run Sabonis off the floor. Well, Sabonis is going to play like he may foul out. He may struggle, but he's going to be out there in, in the key moments. But the Warriors have been able to, with a lot of pick and roll, and and a lot of bringing him out away from the basket, different centers over the years, they have made him look pretty bad and, and basically forced them to cover Curry out there, which is just big trouble. How do, how do you think the Kings end up trying to counter some of those, some of those playoff go-tos that the Warriors always that, keep in their back pocket? I mean, it's so much easier said than done with this, where it's like, no, you gotta you can't switch that. But the Warriors are gonna make yeah. it hard for you to fight through those screens. The communication has to be right on to one. I think Sabonis has actually been better defensively than I thought he would be in Sacramento. You know, he's not a rim protector. He's not long, but even coming out and pick and rolls, I mean, he moves pretty well and he's able to recover. He communicates well. Um, I, I don't know that they have a, a great solution to it. I mean, that's that's where it goes back to the physicality where you're just like, you gotta, you gotta run through this stuff. You cannot be getting into really bad situations where you're getting exposed with these switches and you know that's where the challenge is like you were just talking about you know the kings have all this offensive talent and i think at times brown is you know been searching he wants defense out there but his like main defensive players can't hit a shot on yeah, a it screws basis. up the offense completely. yeah like that's why you're like, great it's like davion like I, I love what he brings Mike Brown has a tough time playing him 15, 20 minutes a night, you know, and he's for a team that's bad defensively. He's clearly their best defensive option on ball. So how do you balance that one? You know, does 
how deep does he go with this bench? You know, it, it, eight? It, does he maybe think about nine, uh, depending on what's going on? Like, does Kessler Edwards get some run? And then you're putting in another young guy in there in an interesting spot, second-year guy who doesn't have a ton of experience. You're putting him up against the Warriors because maybe he can give some different looks. You know, Keegan's another young guy. Like, it, it's it, it's really going to be fascinating how Brown handles some of this stuff because, you know, I think sometimes he, he he'll, he'll lean offense, but... There, he he's also such a defensive-minded coach that it frustrates him. And we've seen games where Kevin Herter plays 20 minutes a game in a game because Davion comes in, he's playing defense, and he knocks down a couple of threes, and they feel like the, the offense is moving at a decent rate. But they they just they, they can't really count on that at this point. Final couple of minutes with Dave Deuce Mason here, Deuce and Mo podcast uh, in Sacramento, does a lot of great stuff there, knows the team inside and out. As far as I want to get into the fans and I want to get into the back and forth as far as I've said this and I'll I'll just lay it out there as I feel like. And and again, call me crazy, but I've put this out there a couple of a couple of times and I'm going to continue here as I'm on the air over the next few days. I don't think home court advantage matters in this series. I I, I think I think Golden One Center is going to be electric. And, and the way I've kind of put it is I think there's going to be more Warrior fans in Sacramento than maybe Kings fans are comfortable with. I think there's going to be more Kings fans in Chase Center than Warrior fans are even believe is possible. And, and I know you've I, I was watching a little of you and, and, and Morgan, your, your podcast, and, I, and you were kind of putting it out there. Hey, you know, Kings fans, you can get your tickets at Chase. Like, why not try to take the joint over? How, how do you see, like, is that a fair foul statement on, Dude, on my part? I, no, or... I completely agree. I complete. I mean, a couple of things. If you're a fan, this is beautiful. The chance that these two teams play close. I, I think, I don't know who said it, but I thought it was a good comparison. It's kind of got that high school feel to it. Like a, you know, high school sporting event where like you're, you're, you're kind of in the same town and it's going to be a kind of blended crowd, I think, in both spots. I mean... One, it's not often you get to play a playoff series this close. I mean, what, Milwaukee, Chicago, we've seen, but it's just different, right? Like, this is the first time these two teams are playing in the playoffs. This is the first time the Kings are there in 17 years. It's the Warriors. They are such a draw to begin with. I think there will be a decent amount of Warriors fans there. But I definitely agree with you on this. I think Kings fans are traveling down there. Kings fans saw the prices on the secondary market. Then they compared them to Chase and went, oh, I can actually get in for a couple of hundred dollars cheaper and it's not that far away. I think you're going to see a lot of Kings fans there. I think you're going to see a lot of Kings uh, Warriors fans in Sacramento. And I think it's going to make for an interesting environment. I think it's, like you said, it will be electric, but in a different way where it's, I don't know. It could get testy. It, I'm I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. Yeah, and and you know, a couple people have kind of said, you know, in the weeks leading up to this have just told me, you know, hey, if these two teams end up playing, you know, stuff's going to happen. Like mm. stuff, stuff's going to happen that, that we don't anticipate. And it, it's funny because I feel, and I know we were joking before we we hit record on this thing about just how you know, it seems like the the five days in between knowing that this matchup was going to happen. I guess it's really six because we knew what Easter Sunday at about three o'clock. So it's it's really six days that we've known this thing's going to happen between then and and Saturday. But 
it it feels like it's been the mutual admiration society between the teams and the staffs, right? Like you've <laughs> yeah. got like everybody on the Kings side is like, oh, we love respect the Warriors. Everybody on the Warriors side, except maybe Draymond saying he, he wanted to take the bus to the game as a <laughs> as opposed to having to get on a three hour flight to Memphis or whatever it would have been. But, but the, the actual participants in the action seem like they have a high level of respect for each other. As this thing has gone on though, throughout the week, it, it feels like there's, there's an edge building and, 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 you know, stuff, stuff's going to happen. I think as this series evolves that, that could create a, a rivalry. I think that, yeah. that just hasn't been there in the existence of, of the Kings time in, in Sacramento. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how it's played out. Um, it's just, and it's social media too. So the back and forth, you got radio hosts going at each other back and forth. It's pretty wild. It is because you're right. There's such mutual respect. Like Steve Kerr was talking about Mike Brown and what he meant to the culture with Golden State. And, you know, Mike Brown's crediting Steve Kerr for his development. And these, there's a lot of respect at the moment, and I, that respect's not going to go anywhere. Maybe the players get testy at some point, and that'd be cool to see. Maybe, you know, Draymond, a deer, and get into it. I don't know. Something random like that would be kind of cool to see. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting because, I, you know, the, these fan bases, I think, actually have more in common than maybe some realize. Just from the standpoint, pretty loyal fan bases over the years. You know, some Warriors fans may not remember, but the, there's a lot of hardcore OG Warriors fans that remember – Missing the playoff 17 of 18 years. They yeah. went through a lot of pain before this turned around. And the Kings fans have gone through a lot of pain over the last 17 years, too. So um, it, it's pretty funny to to see the back and forth right now. But that I, I love it. This is great. It's it, it, You want that type of... Uh, and As long as everyone's like, cool. I mean, it's sports. Let's just have yeah. fun with it. But oh, I know, think it's going to be awesome. I mean, oh, I, I think it, and it, and it is going to be unique. I just like you said, with the the mixed crowds in in both places, it's it's going to be it's going to be something special. I mean, I I know obviously from from growing up in Sacramento and working in Sacramento for a decade, and I've been in, in the Bay for the last decade. I've always kind of wondered, hey, what would a playoff series between these two teams look like? And you know, I'm I'm glad it's happening. Frankly, like I I know there there have been years where maybe I wouldn't have wanted it to happen. Uh, you know, but but for this year and the the time and space, it it feels like the the right time, you know, to have the Kings reemerge, to have the the Warriors trying to defend their title, and uh, you know, just it, it you know the Kings have earned their freight. You know, this isn't some thirty seven win right. ten seed that won a couple of games in the play in tournament, and they're playing a sixty five win Warriors. Like it's it's not that right. The Warriors are the favorite, but the Kings had the better season. You've got you know Mike Brown, who was coaching playoff games for the Warriors last year after he got hired by the Kings. Like there, there's just a there's a cool factor to this thing that that I don't think would have been possible in other years recently when maybe it could have even happened. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, and I'm I don't know what, how much do you think that Mike Brown factor plays a role in this series, just from the standpoint that he he was around the Warriors for a long time. He was Kerr's right hand guy. They went through a lot together, winning championships together. How much do you think that factors into the this series, like being beneficial for the Kings? I I think it gives them a better chance than anybody would have as far as coaching goes. Because one, he's a good coach first and yeah. foremost. Like he he's he's just a he's just a very good coach. Period. But I think you add that to the fact that he know he knows what 
you know, nobody truly knows what really bothers Steph Curry, you know, defensively or offensively or whatever. Like he probably knows, like he knows where you can get Jordan Poole off his game. And and there were a lot of people in the Bay that, that saw the 0 for 10 against the Kings last week in the in the game where the Warriors rested. Everybody was like, like, what what was that all about? Like he he knows, I think some of the the strengths and weaknesses. I think he has an idea for what Kerr's going to do. I mean, one of the big, you mentioned the Kings rotation, and I I think we would agree they know who their top seven are going to be, plus plus Mitchell. I mean, they know their top yeah. eight, and it's just a matter of, is Kessler Edwards the nine? Do they play Metu or another center? The Warriors, I think, know their eight with Looney and Draymond, with Wiggins and Clay and Steph, Poole. Peyton is in there. DiVincenzo is definitely going to be in there probably as a starter in game one, maybe a little Kaminga as the ninth. And, and that's probably it there. But the one thing the Warriors are trying to figure out, and I think that's where Mike may have an advantage a little bit over another team is he knows what the internal conversations are like about how they want to figure out minutes and combinations. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, the Warriors have had a week to get it right. And it's a little similar to last year where they, they brought Curry off the bench in the first round against Denver, but they got healthy with their core right as the playoffs were starting. But typically in the and and they hit the ground running and and they had a favorable matchup, I think, to Denver without their second and third best players. But when the Warriors make rotation adjustments over 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 the years, for as well-oiled a machine as they have been at their best, and everybody's seen it in the biggest moments. They do have a game or two typically where it doesn't it it's a little clunky. And I think that's where whether it's Wiggins coming off the bench or how does it impact Kaminga or DiVincenzo, yep. you know, figuring out those right combinations in the right rotation, I think, is something where Brown probably has a little bit better feel as to what Kerr would be thinking and what maybe Kerr's counters would be if certain things didn't work. Yeah, and the Wiggins dynamic is the one that's really interesting to me early on because I know they said he looked good in scrimmages. He hasn't played basketball in a long time. I know it wasn't an injury, but you know, game shape is just different and playoff intensity is different. And I'm just I'm kind of curious what he's gonna look like early on. And I think in, in a weird way, it's better that the Kings are seeing them now as opposed to maybe later if they they met up in the playoffs like this might be the best time as they, they're still trying to figure some things out with Wiggins getting back in the fold in a weird way no I I think you're onto something there all right final final one for you and we'll wrap it up and I appreciate your time I I know I told you we we're going to do about 30 and I'm keeping you for 40 which is oh, apparently good. that's good, just man that's just what I do <laughs> but uh but it's a great conversation I I love I love talking basketball like I, you're, you're like yeah. me like you you know the business and that, you know, you're a fan and you got to play to the fans. And that's that's part of the, you know, that that's the root of all of this. And you guys have a tremendous following of of, of Kings fans there in, in Sacramento and basketball fans. But but at the heart of it, you want to talk basketball and you want to talk oh, yeah. matchups and X's and O's. And that's that's like I could for, forget all the like I, it's going to be fun, but forget all the nonsense. I want to see these teams actually get out there and play, which is going to be a lot of fun. But what for you are the. For the king, if the kings are going to win the series, what are what are two things that are going to have to happen? Give me top headline items. Defensively, they just have to be locked in. And 
I know on the surface you go, what? Are you kidding me? They're 24th in defensive rating. I go back to the road home splits. They've had moments where they've shown that they can lock in and defend. And they've done it on the road when it seems like they have to kind of use their own energy, manufacture their own energy to get the job done. I think back to but a game they It just seems like, to me, they know they have to play harder. Yeah. Like, like on the road, it's like, hey, if we don't play full board, we'll lose tonight. And they do. Right. And at home, it's almost as if oh, we're good enough to show up and they're really aren't quite that team yet. We'll hit some threes and the crowd gets into it and we're fine. They coast a little bit. There's no coasting in this series. You can't coast against in the playoffs, let alone against the Warriors. So I think defensively, they just have to be locked. They're going to make mistakes. Curry's going to get his. They're going to go on runs. Can you withstand that? And can you just be an average defensive team? Can you get some stops when it matters? That one game they had at Cleveland earlier this year when they closed on a 19-0 run. You're like, okay, I see something. Recently against the Pelicans, a big road game where the Pelicans need to win. They were playing good basketball. The Kings locked down. I'm like, okay, you're seeing them make strides. I think this team has an ability to take a punch, too. We saw it in that Clippers classic game where they won 176-175. So they could take punches, but they cannot go through stretches where they are just getting destroyed off uh, defensively and that that has to be a, a huge key and I think the next key is uh, uh kind of my x factor for the Kings coming off the bench is Malik Monk I think mm -hmm. when he is good and locked in and it's not just with scoring I mean when he gets that pick and roll going with Sabonis and the action that comes out of that that's been a nice little duo for Sacramento if he can bring it come on and uh, bring that spunk and energy knock down some shots get people involved I think the Kings are going to have a legit chance Monk, Monk and Poole, I think, are are, are similar. And it, yeah. I think that's another area where they're, those, these teams are similar in, in that they could be wildly great or wildly awful, depending upon yes. the game. And and you're right. I, I mean, Monk is a, a barometer, uh, I think, for, for the Kings as well. I, I, I One more on yeah. just on De'Aaron Fox, because it, it popped into my head when the, the Warriors at times, I, I know the Kings, at, at least the narrative is, Hey, the Kings run everything through Sabonis and it's shooters and, and very talented offensive pieces. And, and Fox kind of gets his for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they let him go, which you know clearly led the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. He was extremely clutch at a couple of buzzer beaters, beat the Warriors down the stretch in the, the game in November where the, the Warriors uh, lost to the Kings in, in Sacramento. One thing the Warriors have done, and, and I, I'm curious about De'Aaron's mindset. Because you you touched on something which I I think has been prevalent in in his career where he he has been at times I think a little little too cool little little yeah. too like I'm gonna coast I'm a really good defender but I also got score a lot so I, I'm not really gonna defend until crunch time and and you know th that's when I'm gonna start to really like try to defend and make winning plays which I think he's done this year as well at times but the Warriors have. Is there going to be a De'Aaron Fox that feels like he needs to be the man? Because it's, you know, it, they're like, I look at the Kings and I think the Kings maybe more than any other team have a one and a one A or a one, you know, one and one A that are pretty close. I agree. But I think if you've really watched them, it is like Sabonis is, and it's no shade on Fox, Sabonis is their best player. Like, so now maybe Fox is their most important player and, and it's very close, I think, by comparison. But is there the Warriors we've seen, whether it's been Russell Westbrook, I thought they did it with John Morant last year, this belief that 
I got to be the man now because it's the playoffs mm-hmm. and, and this is my team. And, and I'm the guy, cause I've noticed De'Aaron Fox is the guy on the marquee a lot for, for whether it's ABC or, or the NBA, like it's been more De'Aaron Fox than Sabonis as far as the guys that are, you know, who, who gets the billboard, the Warriors have been able to use that to players to their advantage in that I wonder if they almost push Fox in a way to try to try to go for 40 a night, mm. lock down the three point shooters, take away some of Sabonis and that that's their pathway to win. What is that a successful potential game plan for the Warriors? That's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think Fox minds has that mindset of, Oh, I'll just, you know, it's my, it's my time. It's playoff time. I just don't think he has that. I think he is, come into this season with a focus that I have not seen from him at any point in his career in in Sacramento. I mean, a year and a half ago, there was times I'm like, is he okay? Like, does he want to be here? You know, since that's a bonus trade happened and really at the end of the season playing with buddy heel, they'll do that too. And Bagley. Yeah. I think that sucked the life out of him. I think, I think, you know, drafting two point guards did that to him too, where he's like, I need some help. Um, but I think, he, he at his end of season press conference last year, he like talked about how he would not have a good year, and he talked about what they needed was structure, accountability. I'm like, and it's it stuck with me. And then they end up hiring Mike Brown. I I think Mike Brown has really connected with him and put a lot of pressure on him to play the right way. And I I don't think they need him to take over fourth. It's kind of worked out that way. I, I don't feel like I've watched the Kings in the fourth quarter. I'm like. God, it's just ISO ball. This is just boring stuff. They still create stuff. It just Fox has been absolutely deadly in the mid range. He can attack. He can slow down. His game is better than it's ever been. And I, I think he is going into it with the absolute right mindset. But to your point, yeah, I mean, do you let Fox do his thing? Like, let's just worry about everybody else. Let's see if Fox is going to settle for threes. And that's one tw- area. Shoot 25 times. Shoot 25 times. That's probably one area I'm concerned about. And I recently, I felt like he settled a little bit for, from three and I, you know, he's had some hamstring stuff going on. You know, I, I don't, it, it's just weird. I, I, he's, I'm fine with him taking threes, but I don't need you taking six and a quarter. You know, I don't need you taking eight or nine in a game. And I don't, I, if you are, it needs to be catch and shoot in the flow of the offense. If Fox is settling, that's when you know it's it's not going the right way for Sacramento. The attack mode has to be there. The paint touches have to be there. Um, and uh, if not, they will be in trouble. All right, Deuce, really appreciate the time, my man. Thank you so much. Just one more time, why don't you just let everybody know in the Bay and if people are checking us yeah. out in Sacramento, how they can how they can check out you and you and Mo, who are terrific. It's I, I said it's the I best Kings that. podcast going. No doubt. Thanks, man. Yeah. At Deuce and Mo podcast. You go to Deuce and Mo.com. We have a YouTube page to youtube.com slash at Deuce and Mo. Wherever you get podcasts, we create content left and right. We obviously focus a lot on the Kings. We, we're live after games, but we do a lot of NBA. We're going to be creating content all NBA playoffs into the offseason. We just have fun talking basketball. And uh, hopefully it's a it's a fun ride. I'm ready for the series. I can't wait. I'll, you know, I'll be at all the games. I'll be at the games in San Francisco too. It's I can't wait to feel the atmosphere. Yeah, I can't wait to see you all on on Saturday. Actually, I may see you guys tomorrow. I'm coming up a little early. I'm I'm, okay. I'm treating this like any other playoff trip. I'm going the day before. I'm tre- yes. I'm treating it like like Memphis or Dallas or 
Boston or whatever the heck. I'm I'm treating it like a like a true playoff trip and coming up. And uh, you tell Mo, by the way, she's not she's not getting off the hook. It was this was supposed to be the three of us. I know. And and so Mo Mo, you tell Mo that that she's gonna have to have the one on one at some point next week. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Or we can both do it together too if we want to do it. Yeah, all, we all can three, do it either way. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, all three. We're totally down. Really, really appreciate, appreciate the time. All right, Dave Juice Mason joining me. Our Warriors Weekly Podcast is uh, we go daily, leading you up to and through the Warriors and the Kings. Four ninety-five-seven. The game. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.